Level Up Latina partners with working women and mamas alike to guide them in achieving fulfilling career and life goals through financial empowerment, professional or leadership coaching, and personal wellness. Find the unique coaching you need to succeed. You're listening to Vero, Ceci, and Irene, and we are Level Up Latina. Welcome back. So excited to have you here with us today. Today, we're going to talk about Latinos in competition with each other. We were recently interviewed for a blog. And in our conversation, we talked about how sometimes because we're Latinos, and we have a lot of wonderful Latin American countries that we represent, we're not always on the same page. And sometimes we find competition among each other. And when we recognize it, sometimes we find unity. So we thought we had to bring this topic to the podcast. ¿Cómo les parece, muchachas? Perfect conversation, perfect topic to discuss. I think um, we often, we're so nationalistic, like you mentioned, Irene, mm -hmm. that we need to find a common ground to really unify us. And I think as of now, the unifying factor is that first generation factor that keeps us together, but we need to find a way to really unify and bring all those little culturas, not little, because they're not little, bring all of our cultures together, Latin American nations together in solidarity and, and support one another it's really interesting i wonder where it came from how it started i think the other day we it came up i just started remembering how as far as as far back as junior high for me going to school with other kids and they were you know que de guatemala or el salvador i would hope there were other kids <laughs> You're like, when I was going to school with other kids, I'm like, I would hope it was other kids. Oh, me. yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> and, and then one day, no estaba no tenía amigos. <laughs> yeah. No, y que El Salvador, y siempre was like, oh, que no, we're better, you know, Mexicanos were better, or no, El Salvador is better. Y, pero better in, like, now I think I'm like, better in qué? Like, en mm -hmm. qué manera, por qué, who said that, and why did we start, you know, thinking that way? Es todo lo que tiene que ver con la patria. No, it's just uh, where our parents came from, or where where we our families came from. And it's always that pride, uh, in general, like Mexico, right, as, as a whole. Well, de qué parte de Mexico? It is el norte, it is el centro de Mexico, it is el sur. Sí. Se te nota, like, me being in in DFA or being when I was in Quereta, they're like, eh, Norteñita. They would know based off how I spoke. They're like, oh, okay, well, you're Sinaloa. And say, ah, yo también soy de Sinaloa. Yeah, plebes. Y que no sé qué, la plebada. Sí, sí, sí. But it just really depends. Like, we take so much pride into where we came from. So I think in that case, you know, we have, we're getting that experience from everybody else. Like, well, I, my parents are Salvadoran and they said El Salvador is better. And that's because that's where you, that's what you know and that's what you love. It's your patria, that the nation you were born to, país so passionate about it so it's hard to you know if we were to be like i'm united states and because we're not i mean everyone's american if you think <laughs> north america <laughs> south america i'm united states and then it's different you know like it's a different kind of playing field but when it comes to like latin america it, it's a tough one thinking about it too like ceci i was thinking that for me it started for sure in school i remember when i first realized that I wasn't the majority. I had always been sort of the majority around Mexican Americans until I went to private school and my private school was in West LA and the kids were majority Central American. And I did feel that we were looked down upon, my brother and I, because we were Mexican. And funny enough, I recognized that it was going both ways. Like when I was in that environment, I was like, man, we're always getting dogged because we're not Salvi or we're not Guatemaltecos. At home, though, my mom was always the same way towards Central Americans. She was making fun of their food or making fun of their accents or making fun of their names. And it's like, we're all Latinos and we're racist among each other. Racism, right? Like you don't accept another culture that's just yeah, like your is. culture. So 
thought all those thoughts and I knew it and I was very aware and I remember feeling inadequate when I was the one being made fun of and then I remember changing schools and going back to the majority and everybody's Mexican and everybody's relating and everybody's parents are the same and parties are the same and then I remember having really good friends that were Central American and they hated being called Mexican like hated it like why do you assume that I'm Mexican and I could see that already it's like you start really young without realizing it sometimes you're on the receiving end of the competition sometimes you're dishing it but as I got older, then I started to date Central Americans, which was a fluke and an accident. That wasn't Oops. intentional. Oops. And I know that my family would sort of make fun of me behind the scenes and to my face because they just kind of thought like the superior Latinos because Mexicans are Mexicans, Mexican food, Mexican culture, we're around Mexicans. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, I think that that's changed. And at least around me, it's changed. They don't dog my husband and his culture. But here and there, my mom can be like, oh, si, a ellos les gustan los frijoles negros, right? Like, yeah, we don't eat frijoles. Oh. Like, oh my God, mom. Ellos no comen de la manera. Es que no comen chile. Es que ellos no comen chile. Like, there's just all these things. Yeah, so that's Like, what's the problem? I was going to say, that's funny that um that came up when people assume that other Latinos are Mexican. We were just watching Clueless last night and i don't know if you guys remember the scene where the housekeeper uh entra la chava esta share and you know said something about mexicans and she goes i am not a mexican and she's like what's because she's like she's from el salvador you know and they yeah. take offense to that so <laughs> even in movies like that was in the 90s i think so even in the movies they they bring bring attention to that like people assuming everyone's mexican yeah especially when trump was like mexicans are murderers mm -hmm. and racists you better believe every other latino was like hey he didn't say cubans he didn't say colombianos you know they were loving that they were mexican at that point well first of all he, they're not gonna he'll he will never say cubans cubans are a big supporters of trump i mean for the most part okay so i'm gonna cubans. i'm gonna be honest i'm gonna be real like <laughs> let's be real you know they're they're in their bubble in miami and florida and that's pretty much what it is I think it, it's just hard, like, when you do think back, like, where did it get introduced? Like, I remember remember my ex-boyfriend or ex-fiance, Walter, and he was Mexican. Walter is Mexican because he still lives. Walter is Mexican. But I remember telling my mom, my mom, I'm dating this guy, se llama Walter. And I wasn't going to be like, Walter, you know, se llama yeah. Walter. Walter. Y la se, Walter. Y la se, ay, no me digas. No, no me digas. Mexicano. <laughs> me dice, estás de novia con un salvadoreño. <laughs> and like that. You know, and I remember my dad saying, when I told my dad, he's like, este, like me decía mi papá, cásate, mija, cuando tú te casas, cásate pobremente, pero cásate bien, decente, y todo, y le hace, pero nomás no te cases con un salvadoreño. Oh, my God. And for the love of God, I was like, what is wrong with Salvadoran people, you know? My best friend in fifth grade through high school, and um, you guys got to meet her. She was, you know, she was Salvadoran. Her family was Salvadoran. And I, I never found an issue with them. They were, they were great people. So yeah. I'm like, why is it such a big deal? But I was talking about it with my, with my husband. And he was like, well, any experience? I'm like, you know what? Actually, they did. My parents got dogged by these two Salvadorans that would come help them fix the house. When we were um, fixing our house, they were making some adjustments and remodeling to the house. And then the people that came to work were Salvadorans. Y siempre la mamá, me acuerdo que venían y decían que la verga y que la gran puta besides the fact that they they messed up on their work you know and let my, my left my parents hanging it les dejó mal sabor a mis papás de eso so after that it was like terrible you know i think it's so our culture especially our older generation to generalize and put everybody in a pocket and there's so many different latinos that you just can't have an experience with one pocket of my my father-in-law has the same story 
somebody burned him and they were from Peru. Not one dude, but two dudes had burned him in some way. Either loaned him money or something shady happened. I love Peruvian food. I love Peruvian people. I love Peru. We've seen Peru. Yeah. Like, I don't see mm -hmm. what the hate is about. But he has this one experience, maybe two actually, where now it's like, every oh, he doesn't like Peruvian food. Oh, he doesn't like Peruvian people. Oh, he doesn't want to go to Peru. It's like, my God, we have these little moments in time and then the whole country gets thrown out, right? But yeah, pobrecitos. Like, so, like you have the experience and my father-in-law has the Peru experience and my my mom just was always com competitive I think with people from Central America so when I married Guatemala and it was like whoa try to keep it yeah. to herself but she was definitely feeling a little jealous that he wasn't a Mexican our family had like a great experience with um Salvo Salvadorians because our next door neighbors growing up were del Salvador shout out to the Portillo family so yeah. and so we were close like you know um we knew each other we they came to our house we went to their house in, in fact like we still keep in touch with them one of the daughters was is my sister's age and they're still really really good friends like they were each other's first friends and so we had like just the experience of like giving stuff to each other like they were they would make like um chorizo and like nozaban or they had fruit you know zaban so we had like that great experience and then in high school my first boyfriend was del salvador and so, but, pero si, si tenía, you know, mis tíos que decían en sus comentarios que, ay, que esto, o que el cerote, you know, like. <laughs> For sure, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah it's totally terrible. And then, then things change because then all that stuff, they want to take it back when suddenly you are. Yeah. Our best friends in college, de Guatemala, El Salvador. El Salvador. Ana, mm -hmm. We a little bit of everything. We all live sí, together. We all, but we all in a way, I think sometimes may have been in competition with whose food is better, whose country is better, or whose upbringing is better, whether we realize it or not. But then when we come together, there's no competition, and we actually appreciate one another, like you said, with your neighbors. Like, then you realize, like, we're not so different. We all, our tamales are a little different, but we all have uh, tamales, mama. Like, sí, sí, sí. not just yeah. us, or whatever. That was a great experience that we all lived together as Latinas, and I think we got to experience a little bit of each other's culture, and that's what started, for me at least, it started, like, okay, embrace seen other latino cultures and now as an adult like i see something and i want to support them um i think i was telling you guys or maybe i posted about it that show the street food latin america like uh, toda esa comida de todos los países like se ve exquisita like delicious i'm like salivating each time i i watch it and i felt so proud that they made this show or netflix made a show like to show the world like this is our food and like i just feel so proud watching that I love it too. My husband loves that. It, it makes me really proud to be the Mexico when they highlight La Señora de Oaxaca and they kind of move through the countries. And I think it's like, that's when you come together and you realize, oh, we have so much culture. And no matter where you are from Latino America, like we all speak the same language and we all have a different take on foods, but with a lot of love and with the grandma and the recipes. And it was really, the, the show really made me feel really proud too. I agree. And it reminded me of a lot of when I traveled through Latin America and the different countries that we tasted foods in and met people. And I, I think I've said this, but it was so relevant to this topic that in every country, they would complain about the next country over. Like in Guatemala, they would say, you know, why are you going to Nicaragua? There's nothing there. And I remember being all like insulted. I want to go to Nicaragua. I've heard great things about Nicaragua. My friends are from Nicaragua. And the girl's like, oh, I'd rather go to El Salvador. And then you go to El Salvador and they're like, oh, why are you going there? Everybody judges their neighbor. Everybody, and not always. I'm Again, we're generalizing. We're not trying to insult anybody from anywhere. But I definitely had that experience where a lot of times we judge because we don't know. Like we're just saying, why are you going there? But have you ever been there is the question, right? Why were my Guatemalan relatives, Diego's relatives, 
judging Nicaragua, if they didn't know anybody from Nicaragua, if they had ever been to Nicaragua. It's just interesting, these stereotypes that maybe we pass along. And just because we then label and judge each other when sometimes we don't even have those experiences. And then you move from country to country and you realize we're all the same. We're all the same and trying our best. And there's quote unquote bad people everywhere, right? There's people that burn you everywhere. It doesn't make you better to be from this region of the world or this region of the world or have this accent or say this word different. I mean, everything is okay and accepted. There's like five different ways to say popote in Spanish and nothing is better than oh, each other. Pajilla, pitillo, like all these words. No one's better than anybody else, but it definitely does start from somewhere. And when you start to embrace it and see it across the countries, you realize just to try to keep an open mind and be the best that you could be because that's the only way we're going to level up every Latino. Right. If we're that was the point of the blog yeah. post that mm -hmm. if we continue to have division, we can't necessarily unify like the African American community where they're all African American here. They don't sit there and divide it up by different regions of Africa that they figured out on ancestry.com that they're from. You know, they get to have that commonality. Granted, they're all under the US umbrella, but all Latinos, we then divide ourselves here under the US umbrella and create this unfortunate competition. I was actually having this conversation just over our dinner, our late lunch, early dinner with the family. And obviously it's my my husband's family and they're from, you know, they're born here, the, the siblings, but they're from Guatemala, the family's from Guatemala. So I was asking them, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm about to jump on a podcast with my with with my partners, with Irene and Ceci. And what do you guys think? What's your opinion on, you know, how Latinos, we can't just unify or there happens to be competition. And the topic of nationalism came up and the topic of how different experiences, unless it's a first generation experience. And I'm like, and then I'm like, in comparison to the black community, how they, you know, they really, I'm not going to say 100% of the black community goes out every time and supports, you know, the, the, the issues at hand or that one movie or the, or the this or that but there is that support system and one thing i had not heard from or had not heard before that was an interesting thing that came up was my, my brother-in-law was like well the fact that they're they're black and they're american here in america and not knowing specifically where they came from is it's a tragic advantage a tragic advantage that unifies them and and in that case yeah. it's like well you can't just go like well i'm from this part of africa i'm that part of it it's like we have the commonality of being black Americans. We're here and let's, this is our story. This is who we are and we're going to stick together. And that makes them American. That makes them United States and <laughs> makes them, you know, <laughs> who they are here in the United States. I, it's, I'm trying to really keep away from um, using American because I need to get away from that. We need to get away from that. So being of this country, being really gives them that tragic advantage. And I'm like, you know what? That had never heard that before. And it makes so much sense. And that is a part where we're struggling with where we we have to find that common ground it because even the first generation ex experiences for is very different for everyone else now there are people from first generation come from colombia cuba countries that are spanish-speaking that come to the united states and their first generation experience might be different because of the fact that they might have come from better families better you know well-off families families from you know like people from chile anywhere uruguay argentina different places that give you that different first generation experience but it's still the fact that we need to be able to come together despite the fact that we take so much pride into where we come from the interesting division is almost like we if we mistake you for the wrong culture we're not taking away your pride you know like it's great to be proud and it's great to stand for your country and your soccer team and your flag and your food but it, there is definitely an interesting like we don't mean to be insulting if we assume you know when i was traveling in uruguay and i would sometimes confuse 
gente de Argentina, from gente de Uruguay. It was interesting because you could tell they were like, oh, no, 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 like, I'm not from over there. And it's like, oh, my gosh, they're like this close to each other. There's a little strip of water. And and they feel what we feel there in South America and the division of, like, that's them and this is us. And sometimes there's political stuff that's behind the scenes that maybe we don't know. And you could see people sort of resent that. But it was very interesting to come across that you don't mean to offend somebody when you mistake them for another culture or it's an assumption and we have to be better about assumptions overall. But it's interesting to see when people puff up and suddenly defend their country. And I can do the same thing. I always say this joke. I always say this joke when I'm out with my husband and people ask us where we're from. If he starts, he says, soy de Guatemala. And he was born in Guatemala, so he claims that makes him like the super Guatemalan and I'm not really... Did you not know Diego was born in Guatemala? Yeah, he when he was two and he acts like he's oh my freaking gosh. Oh, the president of Guatemala like two years the ago. president of Guatemala. No, he, he really <laughs> takes that to yeah, another no, level. He says that my kids are very minimally Mexican because, you know, he's fully Guatemalan and there's this math. There's yeah, there's math. math. There's yeah. math. He's like, you know, honey, yeah, you're more involved. pure because I'm more pure you're not pure you're diluted you were born here both Dad. coming from the conquered people homie okay yeah, right <laughs> real. he'll say first yo soy de guatemala and i say yo soy mexicana gracias a dios i always Ooh. say that joke and nine times out of ten it gets a laugh because it's almost like i'm thanking the lord jesus because i'm mexican and i'm proud to be mexican but i don't mean to put down guatemaltecos but guatemaltecos yeah. have laughed and mexicans have laughed and people all over the world have laughed well the other day i said it in arizona and the man serving us um, I said, you know, he put the chips in and he said, oh, it's para los niños. And Diego loves to say a word different than me because I always use the word that I grew up using because I'm Mexican. If it's a different word in Guatemalan culture, he'll use that word. So he's like, para los patojos. He always does that to me. Like if I say one word, he says the other word. You know, so I'm like, oh, this is para los niños, para los patojos, he tells the man. And the man kind of laughs with him. So the man must have been guatemalteco. And I'm like, ah, este pobre es como no es mexicano. Y, pero yo sí, gracias a Dios. And I thought that landed terribly. Like I saw the man's face, his face. I'm like, oh my God, that joke did not work right now. I said it out of sequence. This poor man's probably Guatemalan. The man came back to our seat later and I had to tell him. I'd be like, by the way, I always make fun of him. I was making fun of him. He's like, I'm from Guatemala too. So it was just terrible. But the point is that sometimes we mean it in jest, but we are comparing and competing, comparing, competing. We have to be super careful of that. The words too, like I know between my husband and I, uh, well, he's Guatemalan. Um, my parents are Mexican. His parents are Guatemalan. It's like, he's like, I'm winning. The kids are saying more things in in the Guatemalan, using Guatemalan words. I'm winning. And I'm like, who's taking, I'm not taking count, but what See? words are they using so I can make sure they don't use them anymore, you know? He was like, <laughs> now both kids, now Joaquin and Galilea say, pacha, pachita, pacha. My and he's like ah, yeah. winning, you know. And he tries to get them to say istos, 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 oh, or, or and I'm like, there's so many words for kids, you know. I'm like, well, we have many words. Yeah, yeah mismo, okay. isto, patojo. Um, the he he uses all kind of words. I'm like, okay, okay. I thought you guys were only one Mayan land. Why are so many <laughs> so many words for one thing? Chill. They do have so many dialects. They yeah, have a lot of words. Oh, but them. we do too, right? We call them like in Sinaloa, they go, los plebes, los chiquillos, los Andale. mocosos, los niños, los nenes, esto sí. y el otro. So it's always changing. There's so many words, but I'm like, ah, but when he says it, I'm like, just, oh, y porque eres ultimanteco. But <laughs> I mean, it's, it's those little simple things. Like even within like your own country, like, okay, Luis y yo también, los dos somos mexicanos, but él es de Jalisco and we're from Michoacán. 
Like certain words. Like he, he says, <laughs> ¿sabes qué dice él? Que yo no uso la palabra fajo for cinturón or belt. Uh -huh, uh -huh. He says el fajo, mi fajo. And I'm like, no, yo, es que esa palabra yo no la uso. Yo nunca la, la usé. Y para el caldo, caldo de res, like I call, we, I'm like, oh, voy a hacer caldo de res. Y ellos le llaman este cocido. Oh, es, oh, mi, mi chula está haciendo oh, un cocido. Sí. You know, so even with an us and, yeah. and you y with our girls we'll ask tú de dónde eres de de este de Michoacán o de Jalisco we we've done that now they've uh, outsmarted us and they'll go like no yo soy de San Francisco like ándele yeah para que se nos quite, ¿eh? that's even funnier they're like neither one parents no I think it's it's critically important that we we can be ourselves but then I also remind the kids that we're just joking like this whole joke that Diego makes that they're not truly Mexican because I wasn't born there and he was born in Guatemala we always let them know that it's all a joke and they should be proud and in fact our bigger thing right now is making sure they recognize that they are Latinos that's our biggest thing right now so like sí. comp mm -hmm. competition aside to help the unity is like you are Latinos like don't think you are a white American because you are yeah. not like that's one place where we lay down the law and say don't forget where you come from don't forget that you're bicultural there's this is wonderful beauty of being bilingual don't forget that don't ever be ashamed of that to fit in so we work against that more and that kind of goes hand in hand with my tip of the day which is to just do your best to be open-minded like we're joking right now we're talking about the ways that we've been close-minded or we've been raised to see differences and then label them and judge them but the best tip is to just open up your minds and your hearts because some of us may be acting with that bias entre nosotros mismos for sure there's that division and then you take it a step further and it's like indigenous people are looked down upon these countries in latin america there had to be all these like marketing in, in colombia it was lo negro es bello like you had to see that everywhere because people would put down their own colombian brothers and sisters because they were darker skin than them and we're seeing that all over latin america so my point is my goodness we're struggling already enough that we're We're not equal. Now we got to throw on the that we're not from the same state, that we're not from the same country, that we're not, we don't have the same tone of skin. Like my tip is we've got to do better. And we got to recognize when we're competing. We got to recognize when we're leaving people out. We've got to recognize when we are acting from a place of bias because of how we were raised or the jokes that we say, like we do have to do better. So I challenge everybody out there to think about how their family is maybe perpetuating stereotypes. I had two thoughts. One with my own girls, but then when you started saying, you know, okay, the competition, it reminded me of something. I also had a conversation today with my with my cousins. My cousins are here. We had our cousin retreat. Two of my cousins and my sister are still here. And so the same thing I said, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go jump on this podcast. And our topic is going to be Latinos in competition. Like, do you guys have any input? Like, how do you guys feel? And they started talking about how there's competition sometimes even within your own family, like us within Latinos, like el dicho, eh, ah, es que es envidia, pero envidia de la buena. And they're like, but really though? Envidia no, la envidia really? no es buena. And la envidia no es buena. Yeah, they started talking about scenarios where different family members were would have like a particular car and say like, ah, no, pues es que yo no puedo comprar ese carro porque fulano de tal ya lo tiene. O yo no quiero ir de viaje a Europa, por ejemplo, porque ustedes ya fueron y no, yo no quiero hacer eso. And one of my cousins was like, why not? Why not? I'll go there. Like you're missing out on this like huge opportunity because we are Already went there like porque que se ganan con eso like you know why why is that yeah yeah it's it's just weird it's just that is just natural competition eso no tiene que ver con que entre familia natural competition in that case you know y de que no querer ir es nomás por tus huevos por no querer ir va sí. ah, yo te fuiste a Puerto Vallarta pues yo me voy a ir a pues Fiji no you know let me one, one up you 
sí. y nunca llegan a Fiji. Mejor ya se hubieran quedado callados, irse a Puerto Vallarta a disfrutar a donde ya sí. conocieron las primas, ¿no? Sí, sí, sí. Pero es es a constant thing, es, es que yo puedo más que tú. Ándale, you know. like, yo puedo más que tú, like, okay, ha, mi casa, tu casa, like, and so I just, I hadn't even thought about it like that way. I was like, oh, yeah, uh, even like within families, like, I felt that, I've seen that, like, you know, a veces, like, instead of being, like, happy for each other, I stumbled, like, you know, over here, like, being judgmental, and it's toxic, like, brace it, like, felicidades, que padre, te compraste ese coche, que padre, o te fuiste de viaje, like, that's so cool, you know, what an amazing experience so that's one point the other point was that last week i had picked up the girls from school uh, my phone's connected to the car so i started playing uh one of our podcast episodes that i had been listening to and i hadn't finished so i was listening to it and the girls already recognized your guys's voices by the way like oh it's the identity of it all right and i'm like yeah paula said mommy porque están hablando en inglés y en español And I said, oh, porque es una, I said, it's, you know, a talk, una plática entre las muchachas y yo porque somos latinas. And I said that, I didn't say porque somos mexicanas, even though the three of us somos mexicanas. Me nació de decirles, like, oh, it's because all three of us are Latinas and that's how we communicate. All three of us speak English and we speak Spanish. So that's how we talk and that's how we communicate. And I said, you guys are learning English and pretty soon you're going to be able to mix both languages so I felt like kind of proud of that moment and also like how cool that they like recognized that it was our voices and that they knew we were speaking both languages because they're so bilingual it's beautiful how bilingual your daughters are like they they can really curse somebody out in English and Spanish I love it <laughs> like they can demand what they need which is a great way to raise open-minded kids you know they're already embracing both cultures and Before you know it, you're going to be throwing in Mandarin or who knows what you guys are going to teach them. Well, one of the schools, when I was looking at schools that had space, had, was a Mandarin immersion school. And I was like, well, pues maybe, I mean, why not? I want to bring back the topic to a, a conversation I was listening to on NPR. You guys know when I get a chance to listen to my news radio, I listen to my news radio. If you don't remember, Ceci, you were a Chicano Studies student. Irene, did you take some Chicano Studies classes? I did. I Wait, did. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys remember a professor that we had. Um, we had no idea what Chicano was until we got to UCSB. Well, it was a 50-year Chicano uh, moratorium. They got together to do the protest against the Vietnam War. And it was pretty much the movement of Chicanos, uh, anti-war activists, because so many Mexicanos, Mexican-Americans, getting pushed to go to the Vietnam War And it was affecting the community. There was no nothing coming back to the community. But it was really so many Mexican-Americans were being taken to the war. And there was no resources coming to the communities at all. So they're like, here, just give us your your, your young lives and go fight for your freedoms and fight for, you know, for, for whatever the Vietnam War stood for. Right. And so this protest was there. It happened 50 years ago. That's where there was some death. It was death of, of one of the journalists, Ruben Salazar. One of the things that the conversation happened, they were asking him on NPR. They had him on there. And they asked him, you know, Chicano is such a, a term that is used for Mexican-Americans. He's like, um, but now there's a lot of non-Mexican-Americans ad adopting the term Chicano. And he says, at the time, it was ideal to call it the Chicano movement just because of the fact that there was East L.A. where the, the moratorium with the move with the protest happened was primarily a Mexican-American community. Now, East L.A. and its surroundings area, you know, like where Irene was saying, Pico Union area, there's different parts of El Centro that are very Central American. He's like, if we were to, if, it, if that were to happen now, the Chicano movement would be very differently defined because at that time it was Mexican-American specifically. Now it's such a diverse community. They probably wouldn't be able to have that same impact. So he was saying that 
there were there was another person on the on the interview stating the fact that the Chicano term is being adopted by artists, by people do you know in the movement to further the unity of these cultures, because um, and it's and it, it includes now Chicano now includes Central Americans, Mexican Americans, it includes Persians, it includes all these people that are not the majority coming under one umbrella, and it's really helping unify all those communities. Now we're, we have to think about like what will bring us to come together as a whole even though we all have our different stories and different oppressing factors and how do we come together with common ground to just overall realize that there's one common enemy or systemic enemy that we need to come together to overcome. And I felt that that really hits home in the, in the sense of talking about, you know, we're Latinos, we're this, and that's who we are. When in general, we can just be like, look, yeah, this umbrella is much broader. How do we really come together? That's like taking the tip of the day one step further. Like, how can you unify us as opposed to keeping the joke going or the competition going or the above and below and look at them and look at us. And everyone has like, I think this, it just stems from an insecurity. Like you were talking about your sissy earlier, like families in competition. That's all insecurities. Like someone wants to be better than someone else. And oh, look at me. And then it stems over to cultures. And that's creating more division, those insecurities in that competition. So create more unity by embracing one another. I love that you said Persians are now under the umbrella. Because yeah, they're widely underrepresented. If they live in these communities, they need to be part of the force that's moving and changing things. And I think that that's the next step of the tip of the day that we, those of us listening to this, all of us, we have to recognize competition and speak against it and recognize division and speak against it. So I like to do that with my mom. I love to challenge my mom. And I think that now I've got credibility because I'm married to a Central American and because of the travels I've done that I love to push her back and challenge her when she's critical. And she may not know that she's doing that. She's so much older. She's 80 years old. She's used to her whole life sort of thinking Mexican is the superior Latino, not recognizing that that's very alienating. It's hurtful. It's untrue. So she can be insulting other Latinos and maybe conscious or unconsciously, but it's my job to point that out. And my brother, earlier you said like cerotes, like calling Salorino cerotes, like super offensive. And my yeah. brother used that word. And I remember once calling my brother out and saying that that wasn't cool. And I know that he was like, what? I'm your big brother. And I'm like, that's not cool. It's not okay. And I think his come from or comeback was like, well, they call us X, Y, Z and rattled off all the words that are derogatory to Mexicans. And in my mind, it's like, how does that make it better? How are yeah. we unifying? How are we yeah. coming together? It's like, let's all pick the words that we use to degrade each other. And we're not going to unify to make forward progress like this Chicano movement, which requires all of us coming together. I think the powerful thing here is level yeah. of Latina. All of us women have to come together. We have to let go of the people that have slighted us. We have to let go of the moments where we didn't belong and we felt bad for being where we were from and not doing it back to other people. And it starts with how we talk how we tolerate our parents talking, how we see people mistreat one another. I think that you just mentioned, like you mentioned Level Up Latina. It's funny how we decided to go with that name, Level Up Latina. We didn't say Level Up Mexicana, Level Up, you know, Comadrita, or Level Up, you know, Guatemalteca. Mm -hmm. It was Level Up Latina. And I, it just made me think back to the clients we've been working with, with the women that attended our launch parties. There were they were not all Mexican. They were not all from one specific area and one specific experience. Gracias a Dios. And I gracias gracias a Dios. <laughs> Bien dicho, comadre. But it's it's it it really puts it in perspective that we are here to assist women 
that are that need that push to feel empowered despite where they come from, despite their background. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I've been working my ass off. I just need a little help here. I need a little push and a little guidance. And we went with Level of Latina because we want to make sure that they f- every mujer out there feels included in who we are, because that's who we are. I don't know how to say it, but we're one of those people. I think I've had too much michelada today. No, no, no. And you're saying, honey, you're saying it. You want them to I'm belong. It. I'm all belong. It. Yeah, it's Scream. a place to belong. It's we're here for you. And I feel that it, our name, our, the, just choosing that name, we were so hesitant to specific name. But you know what? I'm so glad that we are level up Latina. We're leveling up the, our community, our mujeres. Lo podemos hacer. And dang, like. It, it just makes so much sense. And it feels good. Like, it's just like, yeah, good, you know? And I like that we're talking about this because I think it's so important for us to catch ourselves in the community when we're being haters, when we're hating on each other. We have to level up women, but let's level up Latinas. Let's unify there and stop sort of hating on one another. And it doesn't matter if you're a South American, Central American, the Mexico. Like, really, we have to do a better job of unifying one another and leveling each other up and celebrating each other's wins and stop being in competition with each other. And that's hard to do. I know I've sat there and you and I and the three of us have probably looked at other people and be yeah. like, oh, what is she wearing? Look at her outfit. Like, I remember even just at the conference, we're supposed to be kumbaya, happy-go-lucky, getting along at the We All Go conference. Yeah. And a woman was like dressed to the nines like Kim Kardashian. And, and the three of us were like, whoa, we didn't get the memo. And I thought like, good for her, man. Yeah. She showed up in her Worth red it. heel, Louis Vuittons, her yeah, fur, makeup, her hair. Yeah. Yeah, she I had great. my t-shirt. Sure. We had leggings. We had leggings. <laughs> we were doing Oye, yo, yo recién parida y toda, oh, todavía breathing into my womb to get pregnant again within a couple months <laughs> and shit. But anyway, like, no, like, we couldn't resist the earth. A really though. good example, you know, we like, I was just like, esta morra, like, okay, llegó del parral aquí, no, del parral de los serranas años. I was just like, this girl, what the audacity of her. And then she sat down next to her. She's like, do you guys mind if I sit here? Because I really don't know anyone here. Like, Super, like, no parecia, you know, like, see. Yeah. Si. I'm like, I like you. Yeah. Because most girls like that don't want to sit next to me. Because I look like <laughs> greñuda, <laughs> you know, todo. No. Greñuda AF. True. Listen, I'm going to share a story that reminds us that that's not true. And Diego shares a story. And it's a great story. And I'm glad she sat with us. And I'm glad that we checked our assumptions and our criticisms. But we we for sure were like, dang, is she comfortable? You got to walk around this whole conference yeah. with them heels. You sure you're comfortable? She was so cute, too. Because later she closed. She changed her shoes. Like, she had practical she shoes, did. too. But Diego says the story. He went to um Poly Slow. He was definitely one of the very few Latinos there in, in the central coast of California. And he wanted to join a fraternity. And he just basically saw this fraternity that was super athletic. You know, being gentleman was one of the pillars and being in service in the community. And he just looked at it and thought, this is for me. And there's it's a house of a hundred men. And they had probably two Latinos, him and a guy who was like third generation Latino. Okay. So really he was truly the only Latino Latino. People ask him, like, how are you comfortable? How did you do that? He's, you know, honestly, I was uncomfortable. And you could never tell that he was uncomfortable. And I thought, wow, you were uncomfortable. You seem to fit right in and love it. He's like, no, no, it was interesting. It's hard to fit in. I was different. I grew up different than all my brothers. They had these lives that, you know, I'm trying to fit in. And they have these souped up trucks and all these fun toys. And their parents have summer homes. And he's like, it's not like I could just melt in. He goes, but what gave me confidence 
And this story really resonates with that girl that we saw. What gave me confidence is there was, he once saw back in the day before there were memes, it was probably just a cartoon where these, these three people sitting in a room and they're like in this executive room and you know, they could be three people waiting for an interview and the, it's a woman, it's an African-American man. And then it's a, a white man. And the woman is like, wow, look at these two. They're probably judging me. And I'm the only woman here. The thought bubble, her thought bubble is thinking, look at these men. They're judging me. I'm the only one here. They're men. They're going to get the job, you know. And then the African-American man's thought bubble was like, oh, my God, look at these two white people. Like, they're going to get the job. Um, I'm the only African-American here. They're nothing like me, blah, blah, blah. Then the white man that's in the room is like, oh, my God, look at these heterosexuals. I'm gay. I'm not going to fit in. They're not going to pick me here. Like, So everybody's fighting their battle. Mm -hmm. Everybody's different. And you don't know what people are thinking and the women while she's feeling insecure and the black man while it's insecure and the gay man while it's insecure. We then become in competition with each other. We then label each other. We then don't belong. So keep that cartoon in mind because that's sort of the weird thing my husband would always tell himself like I don't know if my brother is gay. I don't know if my brother over here looks at me like, look at this kid from LA. I'm from the country. I'm not as cultured. I don't know as much. He grew up in LA. He's so cool. Like you don't realize how there's all the stuff people can be admiring about you, looking to you for. So be approachable. Like don't be a hater. And then when you don't belong, don't take it out on people. Like know that everybody's <laughs> trying to belong. He might be a gay man. <laughs> like, like that yeah, cartoon is yeah. so cool. It ends where you don't think the white man's going to have a problem. But the white man is yeah. a gay man that feels like they're going to judge me. They're going to label me. And I'm not going to get this job. Pete Buttigieg. Pete, wait, Pete <laughs> yes, Buttigieg? his last name is so hard to say. It's so but hard. I always mess up. Sorry. That's definitely a good cartoon to keep in mind as women. And there's probably got to be one out there like that. Or there's a tall woman and a thin woman and a woman that's from a small country we don't know. And a woman that's and we're all sitting there and judging each other and thinking that somebody has it better. When in truth, no one does. We all are fighting our battles. Just learn about a, uh, an animal called an okapi. What okapi. It's a it, it lives in the forest. It's a, pretty much a Congolese giraffe, but it looks like a horse, a zebra, a giraffe, a, something. It's a weird looking animal, but it's a blend of so many things. And you just don't know it exists in a sense. I never knew it existed. And I, I learned of it yesterday going through the National Geographic little magazines that we order for Galilea. And I just thought like this little giraffe is like all the cultures in one. It's all, oh. little, you know, all the things that you that you see and you you know and, and you know they're majestic and you just don't understand them. And then you see this copy and you're like, what in the world are you? And it's like, I'm everything. I'm oh. you, buddy. And I, I thought of that. And right now that you're saying, like, you know, we don't know what these people are like we are so much more similar than, than we are different. Yeah. And it's so easy to just base a look on the differences. And the easiest thing to look at is the way we look, right? And it, it's something as easy as the shoes you're wearing, the clothes you're wearing, to the color of your skin. Um, but there's that's the easiest way that we use now to either identify ourselves with you or not, right? So I think now we have to start thinking a broader picture and a bigger with a bigger mind and open mind that we are just so much more alike than the superficial than what's outside. There's so many bigger things at hand and at risk if we do not come together. You know, we if we just can sit down, overlook the minor things, and really see that we are there is one race, the human race, and Latinos and all. We need to come together, and if we are part of this country. 
We need to understand what comes with being a part of this country. We cannot erase its history, its past, its racist past. Um, I don't know if you guys have been watching the RNC or we see any clips, but the NDNC, yeah. Okay, yeah, with with uh, both of those, but it, the most recently, just how the lies, how how America not being racist, United States not being a racist country is a lie, and that in itself is not true, not a hundred percent true, but it is it is now us really taking that and be, and being open and being willing to take on that responsibility to change that thinking and have people understand that, look, we've been wrong. There's nothing wrong with being wrong. Now you have to admit it and do the right thing and fix the, we can't go back and obviously fix the past, but we can make reparations. I'm hundred percent for reparations and I'm hundred percent for teaching the truth and being, being truthful. So we have a lot at hand and we need to come together, overcome the minor things that keep us from each other and just really, really look at the bigger picture because we are 64 days from, is it 64 or 63? 64 days, almost 63 days to We're the election. <laughs> hella, hella close. Election. Oh my God. And it's terrifying. 2020 can, it just needs to end on a good note somehow. Yes. Yes. Por favor, um, Diosito. Y aparte de todo, like, you know, like Latinas, let's let's do this. Latinos, Latinas, our people, our gente, our raza, let's let's not be oblivious to what this country stood for and to what it's doing now. Let's let's remind themselves that we come here for a reason and we're gonna make this country what it was great by by doing the right things and making change. And we need to step into that too. We need to, to be proactive. Everything you've said, Veto, has been spot on. Like we need to really make a difference at the polls. So this has been about competition among Latinos, but we really want to unify Latinos. So if you could take that tip, take it and really take it to heart and take you and all of your multicultural friends to vote, vote mm -hmm. with your conscience, vote with your heart. You may be listening to this and be all about the RNC and Trump side of things and how he sees the US, or you may be listening to the DNC and thinking that, Harris and Biden are going to do right by us. Whatever you're thinking may be with your heart. Take all your friends, unify and vote with your heart and just recognize it's going to be another four years of this or maybe something new. But Vero is absolutely right that there's a lot of broken damage in this country that we need to fix. So thank you for that, Vero. Thank you, Ceci, also Never. for your candor. Ceci made an exceptional point about it starts in our homes. It starts with our families and our friends. Um. And we have to be each other's cheerleaders, not in competition with each other. Vettel reminded us, you got to listen to news radio, learn some things, celebrate our history, how things may be a little outdated. I love that the umbrella of Chicano studies is a large umbrella now. Uh, the tip of the day, again, is to do your part, be open-minded, and expect your family to be open-minded, even if they're older than you. I'm not saying get into squabbles and fights over dinner, but definitely challenge folks when they're narrow-minded and they are not embracing each other. Sale, sale, sale. Sale, vale. Sale, vale. Sale, vale. Don't forget to listen to us and all of our other episodes always on Spotify and iTunes and share this, share it on Facebook, share it on Instagram. You can find our handle on Facebook and Instagram at Level Up Latina. You can also email us if you want to keep the conversation going. Our email is admin at leveluplatina.com. We hope to hear from you. And you can also register for our newsletter, sign up for our newsletter. We have an yes, awesome yes, newsletter yes. that goes out every first of the month. Lots of love goes into that newsletter. We want you to see it, to hear it, to get more of these juicy conversations processed through the newsletter. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>